Hello and welcome to the Every Woman Network podcast, a chance for you to engage with some fresh ideas for you and your career development. In this episode, you'll hear from Every Woman expert, Lucy Ball, on how to improve your listening skills at work. Lucy has worked in leadership and development for over 20 years with brands such as Deloitte, Unilever and RBS. Her training in optimism, self-awareness and building relationships has seen a profound improvement in clients' results and confidence. So whether it's stakeholders, customers or colleagues you listen to, Lucy has some practical tips to transform one-dimensional listening into a multi-layered approach. Over to you, Lucy. I'm going to cover a few things today in six very punchy segments. I'm going to talk about how listening helps you become more influential. And I'm going to give you some insights from neuroscience around that. I'm going to give you some time to reflect on how you listen at the moment as a leader or a manager or a colleague. I'm going to give you the the model, the three levels of listening model. We're going to practice it in real time. So it's going to be active and you're going to set yourself a goal by the end. First of all, what is listening? So listening is simply to find that active paying attention. It's giving somebody your, your presence, your attention without distraction and with genuine curiosity. But how can this help us be more influential? That's not always an intuitive, quick thing to answer because many of us have grown up in a culture where leadership and being influential is characterized by talking. So we think of inspirational speeches, motivational direction setting, giving clear direction and presentations. And of course, these all play a part in leadership, but often the listening part gets overlooked. So let's just spend a bit more time on how listening helps us become more influential. And let's start with a definition of what influencing really means. The Centre for Creative Leadership says to be truly effective, leaders must master the ability to influence others. And by definition, influence is the ability to affect the behaviour of others in to move people to action. So as a result of their conversation with you, something new happens, a behaviour, some action emerges that couldn't have emerged before. So how does listening help us with this? And this is where I'm going to turn to the neuroscientists for some answers. Neuroscientists who study what really drives human behaviour. And the first insight from neuroscience I want to talk about is aha moments. So neuroscientists might call them self-generated insight. We might think of them as those moments when we we see something in a new way or a light bulb goes on in our brain and we go, aha, gosh, I see that differently now. This is something that is observable on a brain scan. What it looks like is a firing of electrical activity in our brain, which actually forges new neural pathways, physiological difference in your brain as a result of having this self-generated insight. Now, this insight is much more likely to lead to an action or a sustained change in behavior than the kind of insight that you get from giving, being given an instruction or being told what to do. In fact, being on the receiving end of an instruction or direction reduces our self-reflection and it reduces our sense of autonomy, which in turn reduces our agency and makes it far less likely that we're gonna act. So that's one way in which listening can really 
help us be influential. Another insight from neuroscience is the power of social learning to alter behavior. So we're creatures who take cues from other people. When we see what our colleagues are doing to solve problems, we believe in our own agency to solve our own problems in our own way. So notice this is not about being told what to do, but about comparing what we're doing with other people so that we can come to some conclusions about what would be a meaningful action for us to take. Now, as a leader, we can support this kind of social learning by creating space to listen to our teams and for our team members to listen to each other. I hope I'm starting to make a case for the importance of listening in the toolkit of leaders and as really having an important role to play in being an influential leader, in having things happen because you listened. So I want to get you interested a little bit in why we listen. What I'm interested in is your intention when you're listening. Because I'd like to add this a layer of definition to listening. Listening is paying attention with intention. And many times we're, we're really, if we're honest with ourselves, listening to confirm what we already know. <laughs> Rather than genuinely listening to, to learn or create something new that didn't exist before. So being um, aware of our, our motivation when we're listening, being aware of um, why we're listening can be really important. And this is where the model comes in. Lucy has talked through the importance of listening and how it can help you become more influential. Next, she'll talk you through each level of the model. I'm going to start to talk to you now about the model of the three levels of listening. It's a model that I hope will get you excited again about listening and will give you some clear purpose, some clear intention, some clear why to think about when you're listening to your colleagues. So I'm going to step through the model and then we're going to practice it. So the first thing to say is not my model. This is a model developed by Otto Sharma. What he really focuses on is dialogue that really makes a difference, that leads to innovation and that leads to change. The three levels are number one, open mind, listening with an open mind. Number two, listening with an open heart. And number three, listening with an open will. So let me step through them so that we understand what they mean. Listening with an open mind is what you might call factual listening. You're listening with, for data. And if you're listening with really an open mind to data, you're listening for what you can learn that is new to you, rather than just listening to confirm what you already know. And this, this is something that doesn't happen by default. You have to you have to pay attention. You have to keep your mind open to what can I learn that's new to me that I didn't know before this conversation. And you might ask questions like, tell me more, give me an example, or play back what you understand. If I understand you right, you're saying this, is that right? So listening with an open mind is level one. The next level is listening with an open heart. And you might want to describe this as empathic or empathetic, both words are right, listening. So this is about listening for feelings, emotions. Sometimes this is not necessarily expressed in words. It may be unsaid, but it can be felt. And one way to listen with an open heart is to check in with your own feelings when you're listening to somebody. Am I feeling a bit 
anxious, sad, excited, etc. when I'm listening to you. And really what you're after here in listening with an open heart is what does it feel like to be in your shoes? This is the root of empathy is being able to imagine what it's like to walk in someone's shoes and check in with them to inquire about what is it like? We sometimes can make assumptions about that. So good questions are, what does that feel like for you? Or I imagine that you must feel X, Y, Z. Is that what it's like? Or I notice in your body language, um, I wonder if you're feeling sad, is that true? The next level is called open will. And this is what Otto Schama calls generative listening. And that means listening, which generates possibilities for new action. So you're interested in what's important here, what needs to happen here, what's possible. And it, it needs to come with a belief that we as human beings can find a way forward. If you're coaching a direct report, believing that they can find a way forward. If we're talking to a team member, believing that we can co-create a solution to whatever we're talking about. So really good questions here are things like, what do you want? What's possible? What wants to emerge? What needs to be let go of in order for something new to emerge? How can we create something new? And this is really where we start to be very influential with our listening. And of course, if we've done the open mind and the open heart bit, really well, then the possibilities start to come up much more easily. Lucy has explored three levels of listening and given practical suggestions for how to utilise them. She's now going to challenge you to use the skills she's described. Back to you, Lucy. Now, of course, we can't do all three of these levels all at once because nobody can use their brain in, in a multitasking way like that. So the art of these three levels of listening is to toggle between all three and to do so very consciously. So we're gonna have a practice. I am going to read you a short excerpt from the autobiography of a guy called Bob. Um, you may know a comedian in the UK called Bob Mortimer. Um, he's somebody that I um, adore. Some might even say I'm obsessed with. And in fact, I got three of his autobiographies for Christmas from various friends and family. So I'm going to read you just a short extract um, where Bob's describing a little bit about his childhood. And it's a fun way to practice these three levels of listening. So I want you to notice, open mind, what facts is Bob putting across that you didn't know about Bob's life before? You may know nothing about Bob's, so <laughs> that will be easy. Um, what feelings do you notice that Bob either expresses openly or is underlying the story? And imagine what's possible for Bob, either adult Bob um, who's writing this or the young Bob that he's talking about. What are some of the ways in which you might want to talk about what's next or what might emerge for Bob in his life? So here goes. I was the youngest of four brothers. Jonathan, nine years older than me, Richard, seven years, followed by Sam, three years, and then me. I was the irritating one, constantly trying and failing to get the attention of my brothers. 
Very early on, I realized that I was fighting a losing battle and took the easier route of keeping out of people's way and observing home life rather than participating. My brothers were funny, gregarious and outgoing. I simply didn't believe that I could compete with them or successfully tag along with their antics. Why would they even want me to? I had little to add or to contribute. It became less painful not to try. I have very few memories of my early years, mainly just dull little moments from an ordinary life. But I do remember being around five years old on a family day out at the sea. I somehow found myself separated from the others and started wandering through some sort of municipal park with freshly cut grass and numerous paths. The further I walked along these paths, the more panic set in. I began to gently sob as I walked aimlessly, trying to catch sight of my family. A man approached me and asked if I was okay. I must have told him I'd lost my mum and dad. He lifted me on his shoulders and we strolled around until I spotted my family. Boy, was I pleased to see them. They were elated to have found me too. And I think it was the first time I had really felt important. So just take a moment to think about what you noticed. The facts, how many brothers did Bob have? Where was the day out? Where did he get lost? But also the feelings. What might it have been like to grow up in that house with those three brothers and really not know how to contribute or whether you are valued? And then what might be possible for Bob as he grows up in life, as he becomes a, a student at school or an employee in the workplace? What might it be like for him to be part of a team? How would it be possible for him to grow this sense of self-esteem, a way of fitting in, a way to add value? So although it's not a business example, I hope that you can see how paying attention at these three levels can unlock a, a sort of dialogue that's generative, that might start to reveal some possibilities that you wouldn't otherwise, particularly if you just stuck to the very factual form of listening that we often do in the business world. Now, you also might have noticed what got in the way of that exercise. So Otto Schama also talks about the enemies of this type of listening. The enemy of an open mind can be the voice of judgment. Perhaps it was really hard to listen for facts and data and, and things to learn that you didn't already know because you were thinking, I don't know who Bob Mortimer is. These voices of, of critical judgment um, can get in the way of us being open to what we might learn that's something new. The voice of cynicism and these inner voices can get in the way of listening with an open heart. Now, cynicism is a sort of suspicion of the emotions and values of others. It can cause us to become a bit indifferent or suspicious to, about how others feel. And it's a very self-protective strategy for us all, um, which keeps us a little bit indifferent to other people. But unfortunately, it also undermines empathy. It undermines our ability to really feel into other people's shoes. And of course, it undermines the, that person's ability to trust us, which will undermine their ability to, to do their best work and their best thinking when, when they're in conversation with us. So just notice, was there a voice of cynicism in you that didn't, that didn't want to value the feelings or the emotions that were being expressed? And then finally, the voice of fear. So to have an open will, to, to talk to our colleagues with a sense of what's possible 
often fear can get in the way fear that a direct report doesn't really have it in them to take a next step fear that as a team we might try something that's new and we might fail this can prevent us from seeing possibilities um, and having conversations that generate some brave and innovative new ways of doing things. So fear of taking a risk, fear of putting ourselves out there, fear of inventing something new can really get in the way of, of that generative listening that really is influential listening. It leads to action, it leads to things happening. Maybe you had some of that in you. Maybe you're aware of that day to day. So these enemies of listening are really part of the inner work that we need to do as leaders to, to notice our own self-talk, to be aware of what's going on in us when we're listening to our colleagues and to manage our own inner criticisms, inner judgments, inner fears, inner thoughts in order to pay attention to people on all of these, these three levels. So that was the three levels model and a bit of practice time listening to Bob. Um, to finish up with, I want you to, to think about what you're taking away from today. And perhaps if, if you have got a little bit excited about something or you've become aware of something that you do to set yourself a goal. My intention was to get you excited about listening again, to see it as a way of being influential, to help you refresh your intentions as a listener and maybe get you out of a kind of default mode that you might have been in with people. And I'm making some suggestions here about just one small thing you can do to improve the quality of your listening. It might be to minimize distractions when you're on a, on a team's call. It might be to try and suspend judgment a little bit more. It might be that you've realized I don't really empathize or tune into feelings because I'm very much more in problem solving mode. Maybe I could add a little bit of that in. And it may be around this willingness to inquire about new solutions and possibilities that you want to try. So just take a moment to, to think about that. That was Lucy Ball on how to develop your listening skills. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Every Woman Network podcast. Continue your career journey on the Every Woman Network by logging into your personal dashboard at www.everyoman.com.